Hey listeners, you've heard on the podcast from casting directors and Broadway directors just how vital a well-curated social media presence can be for your career. The Breakdown is proud to be partnering with TSMA Consulting, a globally recognized social media firm that can help you authentically grow your following without using bots, fake followers, or anything like that. I particularly love the welcome packet and the videos they include that help you optimize your account. And wow, did I learn a lot. The TSMA is offering an exclusive discount for our listeners. Use offer code BREAKDOWN20 for $20 off any of their growth packages at tsmagrowth.com. All right, listeners, on to the show. I'm Robbie, and this is The Breakdown. This week, I'm bringing you my conversation with agent Michael Goddard. Michael is one of the named partners of CGF Talent, a 10-year-old boutique agency in New York. They handle theater, television, film, also called legit projects, being cast out of New York and nationwide. Michael has been an agent for 15 years, representing actors who are series regulars, guest stars, and co-stars on television shows, featured cast in movies, and many principals on Broadway as well as tours and regional theater. Prior to becoming an agent, Michael was an actor for 16 years working on Broadway, off-Broadway, tours, and regionally across the country. Michael is also the agent of a few of our past podcast guests. Hannah Corneau, Broadway's recent Elphaba, Mary-Kate Morrissey, former Elphaba and current Janice in the Mean Girls Tour, and Michael is also my agent, and I couldn't be happier to be bringing you our recent conversation. I think this is an incredibly helpful conversation to hear for those in all stages of their careers, whether you're looking for an agent, just started working with one, or if you've had an agent for many, many years. And Michael is really brilliant at what he does. I can attest to that firsthand. We talk about all the places and ways that CGF finds their clients. The thing to remember, I think, is that there aren't just a few ways to find representation. As Michael explains, it's a relationship. So finding a relationship with an agent can come from so many different places. Prior to working with CGF, I knew Michael socially and he represented a couple of my friends. So our working relationship evolved out of a personal one. We also talk about how once you're signed with an agent, how to be the best client, what a good client looks like, and how to help your agent work best for you. Something that I love that we get to talk about is trusting the process. Auditioning is an imperfect system. We know that, we've heard that, but if we learn to trust that those around us are doing their job and doing it well, I think that takes some of the stress off of us and we are able to do our best work as actors. Now, I don't think this is specific to working with agents, but in all areas of the business. As always, if you like what you hear, take a second and make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening to this. So next week's episode with two-time Tony nominee and theater legend, Allison Frazier drops in your feed. Also, give us a follow on Instagram. We're featuring some really fun content over there with some of our stellar LGBTQ plus podcast guests. Yes, for Pride Month, but celebrating them always. Also, if you want to learn more about the podcast, the mission, and why we started it, check out my interview on one of my favorite new podcasts, Someone's Thunder, hosted by past Breakdown podcast guest and wonderful casting director Stephanie Clapper and actress Angela Pierce, who is also signed with Michael Goddard and CGF, and check out a recent interview I did with theater publicist and blogger Backstage with B. Links to both of those will be in the show notes. All right, listeners, without further ado, here is my conversation with the kind, funny, talented, and passionate Michael Goddard.
We are here. I didn't want to miss any brilliance coming from the Michael Goddard. So I made sure I'm capturing it all. Michael, I am like beyond thrilled and honored to be chatting with you. We're recording this conversation, but I'm actually just happy to be seeing you and catching up a little bit because it's been a few minutes (laughs) since it's happened in real life. So thank you for doing this and being here with me. You're welcome. You're welcome. I, I was telling my husband the other day, I, I'm not aware of time and I'm not aware of like how long it's been. I think it's because I, when I was an actor and I was out of town for so much, I would just get accustomed to like, you go away for three, four months or a year, you come back and you think everything's going to be different, but then you look around and you're like, oh, people are talking, oh, it's my friends and that's my friends too. And I haven't seen you in 12 months, but we'll just pick up right where we left off. So I think mm-hmm. with social media and with like, you know, just emails and things like that, I feel like I've seen people, but when I realize that I actually have not set eyes on people for over a year, it's a weird thing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And social media kind of does that. You also feel like you keep in touch with people and know what's happening in their life, even though you haven't spoken to them directly, but yeah. it's actually kind of great during this time because we we can keep tabs on people and see how everyone's doing. So exactly. exactly. I'm up for it. I guess my first question that I have for you is kind of jumping off of something you've already said. You started as a performer and now you are an incredible agent at your own office. And that's, I mean, wildly cool. And we'll talk more about that. But, you know, during this time, so many actors and not even actors, casting directors, producers, everyone in our business has maybe come up with a little bit of a pivot or had to change what they were doing. And I think for so long... Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. To make money, to stay creative, to stay connected, you know, all of that. We are literally doing my thing that I like started, you know, what I came up with. But, you know, I, I and I think in our business, sometimes it's like, not frowned upon, but it's like, oh, you're doing something else. Like, we don't want to, but I think some people can put people into holes or, you know, if you say you're doing something else, it's like, oh, are you not taking the other thing seriously or, or any of that? But I'm just wondering for you, What was the transition from performer to agent? How did you know that being an agent was something you wanted to do? Did you know? Did you try a couple things? I actually don't even know this for myself. So I'm kind of interested to hear your moment of of transitioning. You know, clearly it wasn't during a pandemic, but uh, moving to a different um, area within the same industry. Well, it began many, many moons ago. uh, (laughs) As most things do. Many moons ago. I went to college and I was a business major because I come from a really good conservative family that even though I was acting from when I was nine on in community theater, it was always that thing for fun. And I was working with people who was like a banker during the day or a businessman during the day or, you know, she worked at the mall during the day and at night we did theater together. And so I always thought that's what you do. That's what I was going to do. I was going to go study business. I was going to be a very successful businessman somewhere. And I was going to be the greatest Harold Hill in music band that you've ever seen at some (laughs) community theater in whatever city I was living in. That was just, that was my trajectory. And I was a marketing major at Arizona State University. I was in a fraternity. I was doing all the things normal college kids did. And one day a friend of mine said, Hey, I think you like shows there's an audition and he brought me a, a newspaper article that there was an audition. And I was like, Oh yeah, that might be something fun to do on the side. And then I did that. And I worked with the great Kathy Fitzgerald, uh, who is a New York actor who works all the time. And we've been friends ever since. But I looked at her and I was like, you, 
you're an actor? Like, this is what you do. She's like, yeah, I'm an equity actor. I go from show to show. I figure it out. Like, I'm, this is what I do. And I was like, God, I didn't even know people even did that. Like, that was their life. And I graduated college. I became a sales rep. I worked in Los Angeles for a year. And again, I was a little bored. Wow. So I did a show at night uh, in a 99-seat LA theater that was like no pay. And there I was asking people, I was like, hey, what? so what do you guys do? And they're like, well, we're actors. I was like, yeah, I know we all are, but what do you, what do you really do to like survive? Like what's your real job? And they said, well, we're actors. So we do anything we have to do in order to allow this to happen in order to make this dream come true. We hustle and do a million other things so that we can be an actor at night. And I was like, oh, wow. And then I went and I auditioned for a summer stock and I got it for two, you know, two month job summer stock in upstate New York. And I called my parents and I was like, hey, I'm just going to, I want to let you know, I'm going to, I'm going to quit my sales rep job. I'm going to leave the company car. I'm going to leave the insurance. I'm going to go do two months of summer stock in New York to be an actor. And my dad said, well, I, I, I we support you a hundred percent. We're so happy for you. We think that's great. And we're going to support you every way we possibly can, except financially. So I hope you're good. And uh, that became, that became me as an actor. And I just kept going from show to show and auditioning going, oh, okay, this is, this is fun. This is a fun life. I'm going to act, but I always had a business major in a background. And so I would go to auditions and I would look around and I was like, oh, you know, like I'm a product. They're going to, they're going to buy something. Is it me? Am I right for the show? Am I not right for the show? I'd look to see who they're keeping. I'd say, oh, this, this is not my gig. It's all cool. Let's have lunch after this. And I would just try to like keep the idea of this is show business, not the art of acting for me. It was always like, how how is this product going to get on stage and what kind of people do they really want? And how does this all work? Mm. And then as the career kept going, I kept looking at my friends going, hey, why doesn't your agent send you out for this? Like you would be perfect for that. And they're like, I wish my agent would know. My agent doesn't think I'm funny. And I was like, well, no, you're hilarious. Like, yes, you sing like an ingenue, but you're actually really, really funny. Like if I was your agent, I would push you for this and this and this. And they would say, well, could you be my agent? And I was like, oh, I'm not ready for that yet. But then I started realizing that that is what I sort of was doing to a lot of my friends. I would see auditions. I would call them. and I'd be like, I think you're right for this. You should audition for that. Or so-and-so would really like you for this. So then I knew in the middle of my career, like, okay, so someday I'm going to become an agent. That's going to be my next thing because I think that's, that's where my mind goes. That's how my mind thinks. Um, I want to advocate for my friends. I want to advocate for those people I really believe in. And I would help them get into more rooms and open more doors and, and just see them differently than I think other people did or would. So I went and I did my career and I was like, what do you want to do in your career? I want to do, I want to dance on Broadway. I want to do a national tour. I want to go to Europe and do something over there. I've traveled the country. And as soon as I did all of those things and I was 37 and I was realizing that I wasn't going to dance very much more, I thought, well, I better start now. I better, I better, I better pivot with my career now. And I became an intern at 37 years old to go into an agency. I actually interviewed for an agency. They said, we really like you. Would you like to join? It's, it's, October. And I said, well, actually, I just got cast in a show at Arena Stage. So I have to go do that for three months, because I know that I'm not going to make a lot of money in this next spot. 
So if you will let me go do my last show for three months at Arena Stage, the day it closes, I will come back to New York and the very next day I will work in your office and that's going to be it. So that is how I became my agent career. I, I went and did my last show. Everyone was like, oh my gosh, are you going to audition? What's next for you? And I said, you know, I'm actually retiring. And what's next for me is I'm going to learn how to become an agent. And they're like, no, I mean, you'll be back. I mean, that's, you're not done, Michael. And I was like, no, no, I'm good. Like, I'm honestly great. Like, I've done everything I needed to do. I worked with amazing people. I was... I was excited and and I was motivated every day to to go to work, but then I did it. I did it all. I, I did all I needed to do and all I was gonna do, and now I need to change it up. And that was 15 years ago, and I have not looked back ever since. Wow, I love that story, <laughs> and I love. I mean, it was such a you know almost clean break for you, but but also. I just was thinking about this quote. Actually, someone asked me what what is one of the best quotes that's been on the podcast, and it was something Jeff Calhoun said about you know taking your your dreams change as we go through yeah. this industry, and you know we use the same skills that we take to achieve one dream, and we take those skills and we keep applying them to the next dream. You know, if we're lucky enough to keep achieving achieving what you know what we set out to do, and that absolutely feels like it applied to what you were doing. Do you know you you took something that you loved and then you went to a different part of the business, but also you were using all of the things that you had learned, uh, you know, for the past, you know, 15 years that you were, that you had that career. And, and it seems like, I'm sure a lot of your friends looked at you and you were like, this also kind of seems right because you always were kind of agenting for your friends. I have some, I have some friends who look at me and go, Michael, you were doing exactly what you were always meant to be doing. You love the industry, you love entertainment, and you love business, and you love people. This, it, like you were, you were living your best life. And I tell them, yeah, some days it's great, some days it's horrible, but yeah, I do feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. Absolutely, I love that. I love yeah. that. And now you are here. You have your own office, which is just um, very, very cool. It must feel really good to um, make the make the decisions that you want to make and and you know, have the clients that you want to have and you have some really incredible business partners. I can attest to them because they're also my agents and I'm like beyond thrilled to, to work with you guys. So I guess let's get into it in terms of what I know people who are listening to the podcast, mm-hmm. um, you know, just info they want to hear. I think the big thing is that at, in acting schools and in drama programs, you didn't go to a, a theater school, you know, you went, you went to business school, but they kind of prepare you once the from the first day of rehearsal on. I guess let's start at the beginning. Where do you guys, uh, and I know it's a variety of places, but where do you find clients? Like where do you find new people that come into the office? I know, you know, it's probably the obvious places of showcases and stuff like that, but but maybe um, talk a little bit about how how you have put together the roster that, you know, CGF has. Yeah, it is. It's the usual places. It is. We love. I I do love going to showcases and hate them at the same time. You know, they're they're from the 15 years I've been doing this. There used to be 10. Like, all right, those here are 10 10 schools are coming to New York, and you're going to go see these 10 showcases. Now it feels like there is a hundred, and each time a new showcase shows up, and it's like there this school is doing a showcase that you either don't know anything about or do know something about. You think to yourself, let's be perfectly honest there could be a diamond in the rough. There could be the next Jeremy Jordan could be coming out of some small school from Iowa. Like there's there's reasons to go to all of these schools. They're going to to learn how to be actors and 
you know, if you go and see the, 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 the art and the skill, then you get excited and you go, this person's really going to, you know, explode in New York. This is great. So showcases are great and, uh, and, and fun because they've also been preparing for this for three or four years. Sorry, I just want to talk about showcases for a second because they look a lot different this year, right? Oh my God, they are, they are completely unknown, yes. I think that there's an element that might be here to say a little bit, whether people do them in person and then they also film them and also send them to you, you know, and, you know, totally honestly, are you watching these digital showcases? It's it's a hard time to, I imagine, to be taking on new clients during a time when there's not a whole lot of at least theater work happening. But mm -hmm. um, do you watch them? And maybe are there more successful things that people are doing digitally that that you're that you actually like or that you're finding, oh, this is actually kind of working? Um, or are you like, I can't stand the digital thing. I just need it to be in person again. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, it's everyone's trying something and some are working for me and some are working for other people. Like it's, it's I only have a, my opinions. You know, I would love if everyone was in some sort of a black box stage and doing either a scene with one person that they've gotten COVID regulated to be next to or doing a monologue alone or doing a song alone live on stage where I can really sense that it's a live experience. Mm. There's a lot of ones that are turning them into sort of music videos where they're walking around the streets and doing it and it's beautiful to look at. And that is also telling me, oh, this is how they look on camera. So that's a new element if I can say, I can take this person that I think has gone to like a musical theater school and go, but the way they, you know, work the camera, I'm excited to submit them for both musicals and for TV and film. And this will be great. And this person looks well-rounded. Uh, others, I think they're trying too many technical ideas, but you know, they're all trying to, to do some entertainment and do something interesting. I just watched NYU grads the other day. I saw Juilliard's was last week. Uh, it's, it's difficult because it, we used to be so good at getting the email and putting it all on our calendar. Like, Oh, so-and-so is going to go to this one. We're going to go to this one. Two of us will go to this one. And now it's more you know, oh, so this one is up and it's streaming for the next five days. And yeah, I don't want to go. I don't want to come home and then put it on my big TV, but I have. And that was interesting. You know, I don't want to sit in the office at four o'clock and watch it because all of a sudden a flood of auditions come in at 430 and I go, oh, I got work to do. Uh, so it, it is it, it is definitely a matter of committing to sitting down and watching it either I either I know the department heads or at least or I've seen the pictures of the people and I'm really excited about the ones I've seen um, it's a it's a it's a, an experience and it is it's not being done normally mm -hmm. and I think that you know and timing is a big issue so you can the showcase could be released and I could watch it a week later and then I could get make my mind up to call somebody a week later and they go, Oh, I've already got representation. And I go, you know what? My bad. Like I was slow on the intake on this one. Mm. Um, other times the whole class could have this, these, this streaming thing. And maybe people are going to call them two months or three months down the line because what they do and what they're going to be really good at will be open a little bit later, perhaps. There are no rules in 2021. We're all we're all making it as we go along. And if I see somebody in a in a virtual experience that I think to myself, I can't live without them, or I'm so excited about what they did that I can't wait to meet them. And if I meet them in a Zoom experience, um, which 
I, I was telling people the other day, have you, if you've ever, if, if you've dated on a Zoom experience and actually met somebody in a Zoom room and decided that you wanted to continue sort of seeing this person through Zoom, you know how hard that is. It's a weird world. And so those are our meetings right now. Our meetings are Zoom and it's weird, but we can sense people's energy and excitement and, and we can sense if we want to spend time with them and want to call them every day. So it's, it's a new talent, but people just have to like embrace it and get used to it because that's what it is. Right. Right. Absolutely. So sorry, I derailed you because I just think it's interesting to think about showcases right now and how it's working. So you find people from showcases. Find people from showcases. Also going to our clients' shows mm. and our client says, oh, by the way, so-and-so in the cast is looking for an agent. That's all I'll say. Great. I'm going to take a little extra look at that person. Or I go see this the, the, the show and tell my client how great they were and then also say, hey, what do you know about that person? I could not stop looking at that person. Or I'll just, you know, go home, look on IMDb or Playbill Vault, whatever, just try to find, does that person have representation or do they not? Mm-hmm. Or, or contact someone and say, hey, I just want to tell you, I thought you were amazing in the show. If you're ever looking, give me a call. Hope you're real happy. Hope everything's great. But I think you're unbelievable. Um, so that's a way uh, casting directors, if a casting director says, Michael, I really would love for you to meet this person who's doing really great in our rooms. And I think there's something really special with this person. I will always meet somebody that a casting director says, I mm-hmm. recommend this person because th- those are the people that we sell you all to. Like uh, if there's a cast person who's already behind you, I'm like, that's, that's a, that's a win right there. And yeah, that kind of, that kind of ways, you know, mm-hmm. Or friends of yours who say, hey, are you happy with your agent? Can I send my stuff in? And if Mm -hmm. it's someone I know or have heard of or know their reputation, then we go like that. I've gone to a reading before. I came home from a reading a couple years ago and I like walked into the office and everybody was working. I was like, excuse me, does anyone know this person? Because I just saw her do a reading. And if there was a Tony Award for readings, she would have won. And I need to be her agent. And I'm her agent now. I'm her agent. And if there was a Tony Award for uh, for reading, she would have won for that reading, and which never made it to Broadway. But I still am like you. You just you you took that you took that room like nobody's business. So if I get excited about that, I want I want to meet somebody. I want to get to know them more. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And which leads me to my next question. You know, we are talking about Zoom interviews, but, and maybe it's the same, but let's pretend like we're on the other side of this and it's safe to meet people in person or, you know, pre, you know, the, the before times. Um, What, what do first interviews look like? So you bring someone in from a showcase or you bring someone in from a show or you're meeting someone. Um, I kind of know because I've had interviews with you guys, Um, you know, but also, you know, when these undergraduate or graduate programs are preparing students to meet agents, they, they come up with all these crazy questions that agents are going to ask you. And I have never been asked these crazy, you know, these like, Mm -hmm. I can't even think of them right now, but it's like, no one asks you that, you know, Um, but of course you prepare those answers in your head. So I guess what, what do those meetings look like? And maybe you could give us some sample things that are, that are important for you to ask or find out in a in a when you're you know in a first meeting with someone yeah i think that you have, you got to know that in a first meeting they've already gotten excited about you for some reason 
Mm-hmm. Either your either your resume speaks for itself, either your reputation is speaking for itself, or either they've seen you in a showcase or a virtual showcase, or some they've seen some of your work and they've gotten excited about that. So you don't. There's no more proving. There doesn't need to be any proving anymore about how you are as an actor, because that got you in the room. Now it's about how are you as a person. Now mm. I want it to be a conversation. Now I just want to be like, do I want to call you every day? Are you crazy? Are you, and that's not the right word, but are you, you know, is is it? It's true. Is it annoying to talk to you? Are are you not, are you you, standoffish? I just need to know, like, how are we going to do in a personality thing? It's very much of a first date in that you're getting to know us because you're going to hopefully be talking to us every day and we're talking to you. And I want it just to happen organically and flow from conversation to conversation, from topic to topic until we go, whoa, we've been talking for half an hour. Is there anything you want to know? Like, I, I love when it just happens. And so for me, that, that that's important. I'm going to ask the questions like, where do you see yourself going from here? Like, what do you want in your career? If you've had a perfect job, what would it be? If I ask you that question, I'm not looking for the right answer. I'm not hiding the right answer in my head. I'm like, I really want to know what's in your head for the perfect job. And it's that'll tell me a lot about you and what your dreams are and what you're excited about. And so, so, so for me, I want it to be a conversation. I want it to go, I want it to flow organically. And there's so many, like the biggest concern when I talk to college students about what the first interview looks like and what it will feel like and what it might or might not be, they all say, well, what questions do you not want to hear? And what questions do you want to hear? And what answers do you want to hear? And I'm like, I don't want any of those things. I want it just to talk. And everyone gets thrown because at some point we are going to say, well, this is amazing. Do you have any questions for us? And you know, I really don't want you to go to your pad of paper and be like, yeah, just a second. Here are the questions I thought of. I really want you to be like, oh, in the 20 minutes that we've talked, we talked about this and this. Now I kind of want to know about this. Or, I mean, it would be great if there were like real questions coming up in just like, you know, a conversation Mm -hmm. and that it wouldn't have to be planned and it wouldn't have to be so crazy businessy. I wanted, I wanted to be organic. Yeah, you know, I think that's huge. We hear from everyone on this podcast, whether it's a casting director or, you know, a big director about the importance of just being yourself and like letting that come through. And I think that that's just another theme you're talking about. It's like, you're just looking to get to know who these people are, you know, and if you want to spend time with them, because that's what I think the world is about, but definitely our industry is about wanting to, you know, do you want to have a beer with this person? Do you want to, is this someone, like you said, do you want to talk to every day? So I think that's great. I think sometimes like we can get so, okay, we are doing our mock agent interviews or, you know, what what some things do and it's so rigid and it's so, so that when someone gets into an interview, like, you know, they would have with CGF and it's just like, oh, you know, how are you today? What's going on in your life? Or, you know, it can, I think it can be throw people a little bit, but, um, you know, that certainly was nice for me when I was talking to you guys and it just was a great conversation. And I think like way, you know, <laughs> it was like an hour later, it was like, oh, right. We have to talk about, you know, the things that we <laughs> totally. need to talk about, but you know, that's when, you know, it feels good. Right. Um, I love that. I love that. So, so then talk to me about the next part of the process after that, 
after that interview happens. Usually are, is it just one person for that first interview, one, one agent in the office? Again, every every agent office works a little different, but um, happy to be talking to you about, you know, specifically CGF and and is it just one person and then do you bring other people in or, or can you kind of talk about what the next step is? Every once in a while we'll do a one-on-one if it's somebody that I have met that uh, just on the side and and there's no way to get like material on them and stuff. And, and if it's an early part of this conversation, it might be just one-on-one. But if there's somebody that is exciting to me, really exciting to me that I want to introduce them to the rest of the team, I want to get the three of us in a room or the four of us in a room, the three agents and the actor, because in our agency, because of how we work, everyone has to be unanimous about everyone coming in. You don't have mm-hmm. a point person. Every All three of us represent all actors. So you have to be vetted and everyone's got to be on board to make this a successful relationship. If there are two of us who are like, oh, I see it, I get it. And the other person's like, I just don't get it. Like, I, I don't understand where this person's going to go. I don't, I, I, I wasn't that impressed with the scenes. I, I don't think this is an actor for me. Then it's, we're probably not the right agency. And that's that's a difficult thing for me if I was on board. Hi, little one. I know my sweet dog is just doing her thing in the background. Needing she's a star. She needs to be part of it. <laughs> but um, if I'm into somebody and the other two are not, it, it bums me out because I think, oh well, I I'm part of I'm the G of CGF. Like obviously, I get to do what I want to do. But it doesn't work unless you have a unanimous wor- uh, vote on from us from our agency. And when it does happen, when we all meet you, and as soon as you leave, we all go, whoa, that's amazing. Like the energy, the excitement. I They would do so well in A.V. Kaufman's office. So I can't wait to introduce him to Julie Schubert. If we can start saying things like that, or we go to sleep and we wake up the next morning going, oh my God, Tara Rubin has got to know Robbie. Then we go, oh yeah, you know what? I'm the right agency for, I'm, I'm the right agent for that person. And we're probably the right agency. If we, if I think, you know, the acting was so good and I'm, I love watching them on stage. I don't know what I would do with them. I don't know exactly what the next job is. I don't know. I'm sure there's gonna be all kinds of really cool, interesting jobs, but I, I can't think of them right now. I might not be the right agent for you. I will always be there watching you and going, oh, I really wish I had seen that. And I wish I'd seen that and wish I'd seen that in them, but I didn't. And therefore I'm not the right person. Yeah. So it's a it's it's a little bit of both that that you'll just know when it's really exciting and other times you'll be like, "Well, yeah, no. No, it's I'm I'm not I'm not for them." Yeah, I mean, what you're describing also sounds a little bit like dating, right? Like yeah. you can you can think someone is incredibly wonderful and attractive and, you know, awesome, but if it doesn't click with you, you know, it doesn't mean that person's not going to go have a Broadway show in 15 minutes. It just means like this just doesn't click or, you know, for, for whatever reason, you know, it has to be right kind of on both sides. And as an actor and you as an actor know that it's also important for an actor to feel comfortable and relaxed with your agent. And like, you feel like that's also, you know, the right fit too. So, um, yeah, I, I love that. I think that's great. So, you know, once um, a client is like signed with an, with you, with CGF and everything, what for you is like a good client? I don't know. What does a good client do? What are, what are, 
um, in terms of communication, in terms of classes, in terms of, you know, what's what's um, helpful to you, what helps you do your job better? And then, you know, maybe if there are some things that you're like, this does not help me do my job, or this is um, just wasting time or, yeah. you know, energy. Yeah, the, the, the best client for me says yes to everything I ask. It's, it's unbelievable. I don't know how. Like, I will say like, okay, it's 5 p.m. I'm going to send you three scenes of sides that have to be on tape tomorrow by 10 a.m. And they'd love it to be as far off book as possible. I don't know how you're going to do this. And when the client says, okay, yeah, I got it. I got it. I'm like, again, I don't know how you're doing this, but I'm so happy that you said yes, and I'm going to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And that's when I see a fearless client like that, where I don't understand where they're finding the time, how they're shooting when they're camping. Like there's so many things that actors impress the hell out of me, but the ones that say yes a lot, I get really excited about because in my head, that moment where I say, you know, so-and-so can do anything. They can do anything. I will think about them on every single breakdown. Cause in my head, I think to myself, they can do anything. And sometimes it's crazy stuff like this client has got to be able to ride a unicycle. And I go, I bet you he can. I bet you he can. He's he says yes to everything. I'm going to I'm going to submit him and then I'll ask him later. Um, I also like that person to be extremely honest when they say, Michael, I can't ride a unicycle. If that is a necessity, we need to not self tape for this. And I'm like, I really believe you can do anything, but I hear you and I'm going to cancel this one. Um, it's, it also goes to like, if you are not authentically, you know, from this country, then you don't, we don't want that. We really want authenticity for this role. So if this is not something that, that you fit into, then I don't want you to put yourself on tape for that. So there, there are times when I go, here are all the requirements. I want you to honestly tell me if this is going to work for you or not. And it, the, the communication and the honesty is really, really helpful on a great client, mm -hmm. uh, being fearless, being honest. Because also there are times when I say, hey, there's a top of show guest star. It's a tape. I need it by tomorrow. And I, I just get an email back going, um, I think I'm going to pass. And I go, oh, wait a second. This is a really good job. And I think they're pretty good sides. I need, we need to communicate a little bit more about why. Mm -hmm. And I had a client recently who said, Michael, I just don't know how to blur the lines between personal and business because I know that. I don't want you to think I'm a flake. And I was like, yeah, but you kind of have to blur the lines with your agent because if something really tragic is happening in your life this weekend where you're not capable of putting yourself on tape and you need to, to, to book out, I, I don't need to know the specifics if you don't want to share that with me. But the more specifics I do know, the more I can be empathetic to your situation and understand it and not, not push so much. So the communication for us is really important because it's, it's showing me what you're dealing with and it'll also let me see if I can help you out on my side on either getting an extension or, or respectfully passing or whatever. So I'm really into those clients who are honest, who are fearless and who see, say yes to everything. When a client wants so bad to play casting director, I don't like that because I'm going to give you an appointment and I'm going to send it to you. And you're going to say, Michael, the character says late thirties and I am not late thirties. So I shouldn't do this. Right. And I go, yeah, I see that too. And I wasn't thinking this was going to be your role, but the casting director invited you into the room to do this. So the casting director either reads you as more mature or possibly 
they're being they're being told by the director that actually the age is not important. What I really want is a really good actor. So there's a reason they're inviting you into the room. And if it, even if it doesn't make sense to us, if you're invited into the room, I say, do the best audition you possibly can. Do this character as you would do the character and then let them cut you. There's no reason. <laughs> My best friend once told me, you know, he's like, don't cut yourself. Don't cut yourself. Because there are too many actors who are, playing casting director or playing director and thinking i get i get i get emails back like thanks for the appointment but you know who'd be really better at this would be my best friend da 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 da, da. i was like i don't need you to cast this role i need you to do your spin on it and do the best you possibly can and then let let the powers that be say whether or not this is right for you yeah because it's you know and to even on top of that if the casting director has seen you once or two times or more than that, you have to know that they are, are they have an artistic creative part of the process and that there's a reason why they're bringing you in, you know? Yeah. So trusting that. We hear, I mean, story, I'm just thinking about um, the actor Chikuti Awuji, who just, um, he just booked this, the Suicide Squad t HBO Max spinoff. But that was a show, that was something where he got the appointment. He's like, oh my God, you know, The Rock or Ben Diesel needs to play this. Like, I'm not, I can't do this. I can't do this. But the casting director he had been in for like 10 times, you know? And so he was like, I just trust that they know what they're doing. And then he booked the job and it's such a, it's a big, a, it's a big thing for him. So, yeah. but I think hearing it from an agent, hearing it from you, it just, it's, it lets things sink in a little bit easier and allows us to trust the process a little bit more and trust other people to do their job so that we can you know, do our job. So yeah. Castor actually told me that one time when I was pushing, pushing, you've got to see this person. You've got to, I can't believe you're not seeing this person. Please let me have this person tape. I really want you to see this person. And she called me back and she's like, Michael, we're not going to right now. And I was like, I just don't understand. And she said, well, you, you've just got to trust the process. We all are trying to do our job and, and we all learn each one of us. None of us have the power to make it happen. But when we all work together, it's an amazing, magical process. So sometimes that process is they're only allowed to see five people and they've got to have incredible resumes and they're not looking to discover new talent at that role for that time. Mm -hmm. uh, the process could also be, Michael, trust me on this. I'm not going to bring that person in this round. I don't think we're going to find what we find on this round. And I really want that person to come in during the second round and surprise everybody and go, oh my God, that's what we've been looking for the whole time. So they also plan the timing either during the day or during the week of when they want to introduce that person because they think if they get seen on Monday, they're going to get cut. Mm -hmm. If they get seen on Thursday, I think they have a better shot. I, one of my favorite stories is there was, you know, a, a brand new Broadway show was coming a big role. One of the principles was happening. I had the right guy for it. I called casting and said, I don't know why you're not getting him an appointment. And they said, well, right now they're looking for like Broadway names. They're looking for people who've done three or four things. They want the it men of Broadway right now. And I was like, yeah, but this guy is going to be that. Like this guy has the talent and is perfect for this role. And she said, I know, but that, that, is he is not what they want to bring in for the role. Therefore, I'm going to ask you to see if he would come in for the understudy. She says, I know he's not understudying anymore and I don't want him to understudy, but I want him to come in as the understudy so that when he stands there and does it, the director looks at me and says, 
oh, oh my God, why, why did this guy come in for the role? And I'll be like, oh, I, I, oh, I don't know. What a great idea. And the director will be like, yes, this person is right. He's going to get a callback for the role. And the cast director is like, you're brilliant. And then she'll tell me, Michael, it's working. It's everything we wanted is working exactly how we thought it was going to work. So just trust the, this process, which is a little shady, you know, shady, but we're going to make it work. We're going to we're going to do this because I believe this is how it's going to happen. And in the end, that's exactly how it happens. That story you just told is literally at the heart of the podcast. It's it's <laughs> what I'm trying to talk to people to find out is to hear these stories and to hear how it works and that it's not always what we seem and, and that people are and that people know, you know, they know what they're doing, even if they even if it doesn't <laughs> it's always seem that way. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about actors is you always have the power to change minds. You always have the power to change minds. Who's, the, who's that incredible actress in, who's been in Grey's Anatomy for like 25 years, who's the, like the mean, tough nurse? She was never supposed to, like that, that character was not written to look like her, to act like her, to be like her. And she got in the room and she changed their minds. Like they were like, oh my gosh, this is the character. There's so many characters on pilots that like they go through three or four tests and they're like, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know what we're not finding. And then the person finally comes through the door who is not anything what the, per what the creator imagined, but is perfect for the role. And so that's why even if the description is not you and you get invited into the room, you go in and do you, you go in and do the best that you possibly can. And if that changes minds, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And you have that power because a director can be like, that is not how I imagine this character to be. But now I can't unsee how brilliant that was. That's all I want the character to be. Yeah, I think that further just goes to also say, like, don't do what you think they want to see. Don't yeah. don't come in and be like, oh, you know, like you said, don't play director. I love that. Don't direct yourself into what you think that that needs to be. Do what you do and what you're passionate about, you know, because I think for exactly the reason you said, it, you know, is going to happen. Yeah. We either want you to succeed brilliantly or we want you to fail brilliantly. We <laughs> never want you to be fine. Being fine and being middle of the road is so boring that everyone says, well, can you get feedback? And the feedback's, I don't remember them. Like they went to the first audition, but nothing, nothing was special. You know, I would not be mad at you if you auditioned. I got a call from the Cast director who's like, I don't know what they were on, but they were crazy today. This is not going to be their job, but that was entertaining. <laughs> like, awesome. Then you will always remember them and you're going to think of them as a fearless person. And, you know, next time you want something really kooky and funny, you're like, bring it in. Let's see it. Love it. I love that. Yeah, totally. Make big, big, bold choices, right? Right. I say that now and people are going to like write letters like I tried it and now I'm boycotted <laughs> from the industry. Great. Right, right. You know what? I, I, this is just an unspecific question, but I, it just—it's just occurring to me. What and whatever comes to mind is the—is the, you know the first thing. But what is the best part about your job? It's so easy, so easy to answer. I get to tell the person they got the job. I get to tell the person that their dreams did come true and they're about to start a new chapter in their life that they have no idea what it's going to be about. And I am. I am brilliant at it. No, I love <laughs> doing it. I love being obnoxious about it. I am. I love doing this, this Simon Cowell from American Idol first two seasons when it was always like, I have some news for you. 
you got the job. Like I, I, I love, I love bringing people into the office when they don't think they should bring, be in the office. They don't even know why they're there. And I'm like, oh yeah, we have some sides. I had to give them to you because you have to sign an NDA or something. And they walk in and then we say, you got the best, biggest job of your life. And this is great. Um, this year, uh, it's pandemic. No one's coming into the office. Mm-hmm. And we still have to share some really great news. Um, so I was home on a Thursday night um, at 7.45, 8 o'clock at night. And I get a phone call and it's an LA ad, a telephone number. And I was like, if anytime LA is calling, like, I don't care what time it is, you answer it. Because it's probably some studio, some cast director that don't have their cell phone or something. And it was. And it was somebody calling and saying, we've got some good news. The, the, the woman who just tested for a brand new television show got the role. She is going to do a role on a major motion on, on a, in a major series that's going to happen. And she's never done TV before. She is 20 years old. And she and the test is different this year because it's just like she auditions on tape and then she auditions on Zoom. And then they just send those tapes to the studio and the network. So there's nothing else you can do. Anyway, I got the phone call on Thursday night. She got it. She's going to do it. She's getting the offer. And Shane, my husband, is hearing me and hearing that I'm talking to this person from LA. And I'm like, I'm so excited. This is great, great news. Like, so let her know this is happening. I was like, I will do. Great. And so I hung up and Shane goes, Oh my God. Oh my God. Call her. Oh my God. Call her right now. Call her right now. Put her on speaker. Oh my God. I'm going to hear. I'm going to hear. I'm going to hear. And I was like, I'm not calling her with this information. I will not call her. But you and I will get in the car and drive to Westchester where she lives with her mother right now. <laughs> and we're going to her house at 9.30 at night on a Thursday without telling anybody and knocking down her door until she answers it, until we get to look at her in the face and say, you got the job. And <laughs> so we left New York City at like, and we were going out of town the next day anyway. So it was going to be early morning, but I was like, we have to do this. And luckily we have a car. So we, left the house. He goes, do we need to get champagne? I was like, good idea. We grabbed a bottle of champagne. We got to the car. We drove half an hour. I'm now freaking out going, we're about to ring the doorbell of a house in Westchester that's not expecting anybody to visit them at 930 in the middle of a pandemic. And she lives with her mom. (laughs) She and her mom are alone. And I'm a gigantic person in a big coat because it was winter. And I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know. So I finally, like, as we got closer, I called her mom and luckily her mom answered. And I was like, hey, you're about to get a knock on the door. Please answer it. I can tell you it's okay. It's me. And then she was like, why are you in Westchester? I was like, just answer the door um, and, and get your camera and be ready. And so we ended up, <laughs> Shane put his video on and uh, we went inside and my client was upstairs, could not know we were there. Her mother screamed down, get down here, come downstairs right now and make sure you put some pants on. Um, and she's screaming, why? I don't want to. I want to stay in my room. And she's like, just just leave your room right now. And she came out. She looked down the stairs. She goes, she goes oh, hey, what's going on? And I pulled up a bottle of champagne and she started screaming and running around the, the upstairs. And I ran up to her and... The TV show she got was start the new Star Trek. And I got to say to her, beam me up, Scotty. It's happening. And she was screaming. And it was, I was like, well, that experience now is why I do the job for the next year. So I'm good for the next year of motivation to get more things like that. So the reason I do the job is to tell people that they got the job. 
And then I will always follow that question up with what's the worst part about this job is when I tell the person that they didn't get the job, that they were down to the last three people, that it was something that was about to change their life and they chose someone else. And it's hard. And I feel the pain and I know they feel the pain. And sometimes they have to immediately get off the phone and they want to like, not, I'm like, look, I want you to cry for 24 hours, but know that tomorrow I'm going to call and we're going to do something new. We're going to go for the next job. And so that's the worst part about the job. Yeah. You know, and it, uh, it also just occurs to me, it's something that I talk to my friends about, or, or I can see in my friends, you know, and, and I'm, I'm specifically going to, you know, name some names that are your clients, but Hannah Corneau, Mary-Kate Morrissey, you know, these are my, I've known them since I was 17 years old. And, and, you know, them specifically, it's like, I was watching the trajectory. I was like watching it happen for them. And I was like, oh, I know they're getting close. And, and also you had a fun story of telling Mary-Kate that she got Alphaba on the tour of Wicked, um, which was really fun. It was like a frog emoji. I don't even know if you remember that, but because <laughs> um, she was out of the country. But you know, you can see it in your friends. You're like, even when they don't book something or they didn't get something, you're like, and they're bummed out about it. But I look at them and I'm like, but you were down to the final two of this wild role and this amazing thing. You know, I know it's going to happen for you. I know it's going to happen for you. I imagine as an agent, it must be tenfold like that. Like you're able to kind of see oh, they just got to the end of this. They didn't get it. Oh, you know, oh, they just got to the end of this. They didn't get it. Or they're getting all these big callbacks. And you must be like put together in your head, like almost a side smile, like, don't worry, like it's going to happen. I I can just feel it. I tell people, yeah, I tell people all the time, you're having a great year. Nothing is paying your rent, but you're having a great year because Mm -hmm. that, that agents, I mean, that, that casting director is calling you in for everything. You're not getting them. I mean, too many people will tell me, Michael, I've been in for Mark Sachs like six times in the past two months and I never get anything. He obviously hates me. And I was like, well, first off, he's not inviting you into the room six times to learn how to hate you. He's inviting you in the room for six times because he's like, I can't wait to get you something. I know you're going to get something. I know that you always deliver for me. Therefore, I'll always bring you in the room. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you can, you can not get something for over and over and again, but if they're still calling you in they, they believe in you hundred percent, they're just trying to get the director to, mm-hmm. you know? So, so yes, I, 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 we look at great years so differently than some actors because actors are like, I, 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 I had a heart, I don't have insurance now. And I'm like, I get that. I know that it's very difficult, but you're having a great year. You're really killing it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it must be fun to kind of, to watch that, to know like you're going to hit, something's going to happen, you know, and it usually does um, yeah. for sure. I think earlier, early in my career, when I was an actor, I was doing, a, I was doing a show out of town and we were watching the Thanksgiving day parade and the, the, my roommate looked at me and we were watching all the Broadway shows and contact was probably on or something. And he looks at me, he's like, Oh my gosh. Do you think we'll ever get a chance to dance for Susan Stroman? And I was like, oh, oh, oh yeah, it's not, do you think someday? It's like, it's not if, it's when. We will have this opportunity. Like, we've gotten so close to so many things. This opportunity is going to happen. We just have to be ready and prepared for when the opportunity is in front of us and grab it. And we both did, and we both do. And said it was, you know, it came true because you were ready when the opportunity was there. Yeah. And it's about keeping that mindset. You know, some people 
can't keep that mindset and almost self-destruct a little bit. But if you just keep it there, like I know what's going to happen. I see the progress. I see it going forward because the, you know, the mindset to even just stay in this business, you know, especially Mm -hmm. lately, like you have to really want it, you know, and, and believe in yourself because, um, I I don't know, that's a, that's a huge part of it. Cause if you don't, then it starts to show, you know, in auditions, Michael, um, this gone this went by so fast, but I, I so appreciate it. I just want to, I do want to end with just one quick, one last quick question that I, I just like to ask. And, and I'm interested in what yours is going to be, but what is something that you wish you knew in this business when you, you know, when you were in your, in your twenties, let's say before you were an agent, like what is something about the business that you're like, I, I just think that, um, I just wish I could have told myself this, you know, I know we have to learn it in our own time and, and sometimes learning it the hard way is the best way, but what's something that comes up for you that maybe you've learned now as an agent that you wish you knew as a dancer or you know, vice versa? You hear it all the time on this show and you hear it from cast directors and you hear it from everybody that the people behind the table, the people who are making the decisions, every single one of them wants you to get the job the second you walk in the room. The second they push play on the self-tape, they think, God, I hope this is the one. Because mm-hmm. if that's the one, their job is done. And so they all want everyone to be amazing so that either their job is more difficult because they've got six people who are so good for the job, or that, you know, that they found you, that you that 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 you are the answer. And too many times people are like, oh my God, they hate me. Oh my God, they weren't even looking up from their table, or oh my gosh, I think they were tweeting when this was happening. And I and my friends who are behind the table, the directors, the choreographers, the the casting directors, the producers, they do all want their jobs to be easy. And it's really easy when someone walks in and is just perfect for the job, perfect for the show, completely knows who they are, is confident in their own skin, just has an air of, of confidence and talent that you're like, this, this, I can do everything with you. This is amazing. And I also, you know, I also want to tell everyone that I wish I knew that it's not a linear career ever. There's nobody I know that has a linear career. Everyone has had ups and then goes down and ups and down. And my mother used to always think like, oh, oh, you're doing a national tour. Great. Broadway's next. And I was like, maybe and maybe not. Maybe the next job after this national tour is going to be two weeks at the Muni, uh, you know, maybe after this, I'm going to go do a no paying theater job in Brooklyn because the, the show is so good. I want to be a part of it. That doesn't pay me anything. So I know, I know friends of mine who were nominated for Tony's or who've won Tony's who, you know, a couple years later, like, Oh my God, I can't get arrested. Like I just want a job. And you're like, it's, it's not that easy. It's, it's all, it's all up and down for so many different reasons. And you just have to keep believing in yourself and keep, your own personal idea of what your goals are and and go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I, I think that's great. And I think, again, hearing it from you to say that just, it means a lot more than coming from, you know, your audition teacher in undergrad who hasn't <laughs> been in New York since the 70s. You know, it's it's so true. Michael Goddard, you are so wonderful. I'm so grateful to um, have you on the podcast. So, so great. Everything you spoke about. And I feel like people are really going to, 
latch on to it. And it's it's great to hear about someone who is um, an agent and doing it very well. And you have an incredible roster of clients. And I am so honored and thrilled to, to be one of them and be in such great company and, and feel really taken care of with, with you all. So thank you for that. Thank you for being on the podcast. Well, you're welcome. And thank you for chatting and letting me just talk and talk and talk. Literally anytime, anytime. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. I'll talk to you later. For more information on the podcast and our guests, visit thebreakdownpodcast.com and connect with us. Let us know you're listening on Instagram and Facebook at The Breakdown with Robbie. We also have some pretty exciting supplementary content over there like Instagram live catch-ups with some of your favorite podcast guests. If you like what you hear, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and write a quick review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this. And don't forget to check out TSMA Consulting. Use offer code BREAKDOWN20 for $20 off any of their growth packages at tsmagrowth.com. All right, listeners, thanks for listening and get ready for another episode of The Breakdown.